Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Balthazar. And today, we're going to be doing our weekly recap, back to recording it on Thursdays. After, let's just say, has it been about a month? About a month of weird scheduling? It's been at least a month. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's been... Obviously, both of us being home for the break has has caused recording to kind of be in flux because we're so used to recording in person. But the next episode, we should be in the same room again. And that should also be the debut of the video podcast where you'll actually be able to see us talking to one another so you can see our facial expressions and see me expose myself whenever I'm making a take as I've as Connor has witnessed me do a couple of times yeah so now all the public will be able to to see your in-depth reactions when you're saying yeah and Connor can confirm I'm a very expressive person (laughs) you are a very expressive person and it, it adds an extra layer to some of the things that you've said that otherwise are not known so yeah so if you are interested in the video podcast just a shout out beforehand go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel aggieville alley cats but let's just with that out of the way we can start off with women's basketball recruiting which we will do first before going into the men's and women's catsketball recap but let's firstly dive into women's catsketball recruiting and something that we didn't mention back whenever we first started covering this, which was months ago at this point, because that's when all the commits came trickling in, is this is actually the 23rd rated class in the nation and second in the Big 12, which, say what you will about Jeff Mitty and his on-the-court coaching, which I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not qualified enough to make any real comments on that, but the man can recruit. Yeah, he is an absolutely excellent recruiter. I think it's fair to call him the second best recruiter that K-State has as a head coach uh, right behind Pete Hughes because the job that Pete Hughes has been doing recruiting has just been absolutely excellent, Yeah. which as I'm saying it, it makes me realize that Jeff Mitty and Pete Hughes are actually very similar coaches and that they're very good at coaching, but a lot of times they're in-game uh, coaching is uh, called into question. The recruiting is really good, I should say. I think I said they're coaching, but yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah they're... Yeah, they're, they're very similar, but Mitty's an excellent recruiter. Yeah, and with Pete Hughes, it just kind of works out because being a manager and a coach is kind of the position where where coaching matters the least, at least on the on-the-field product. Yeah, baseball manager, like, most of his job's recruiting anyways, so if he's good at that, that means he's just basically a good coach. Like, occasionally, he has some important decisions to make, but it's normally, like, not that big a deal. Yeah, sometimes he puts a right fielder in at pitcher because everyone he recruits is an outfielder slash pitcher. <laughs> he just loves utility players. And it works sometimes, but when you're in like the second to last day of the Big 12 tournament and you have no arms Pitchers available. Left. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally one guy left able to pitch. They might get destroyed. So Yeah. Gotta but- be ready for that. Yeah, but this this wasn't meant to be about baseball. It's about to be about women's catsketball. And while there are no new commits, there are four people from the class of 2022 that are all on the All-American Game nominations list, which it's exactly what it sounds like. It's similar to the Army All-American Game in football. 
and those people are the trio of guards, Michaela Parks, Michaela Gatewood, and Jamia Harris, followed by the forward Eliza Maupin. So first off, congratulations to all of them. That's an amazing accomplishment to get nominated for, for such a big game, but also, man, they get here next year, next season, and we have the Glenn twins and Ioka Lee still here, and we're getting just this influx of talent. We're already a great team. Just what do you think that this recruiting class will add to the team? Um, I think that they're going to add a different dimension to what we have right now, because right now we're very much a get it down to the post and score with overwhelming power. But this is a really fast group. And like, that's really obvious because even Eliza Maupin, the forward, she's extremely athletic in transition. It's very, very hard to find film on these people. But what you are able to find is that they're all great in transition and most of them are good three-point shooters. Maupin, I mean, like in transition, she's like six foot two, six foot three, so fairly good-sized post player. And she's like Euro stepping on people in transition like it's absolutely nothing. So there's a lot to really like from the players that are being brought in. And I am really looking forward to seeing what they're able to contribute. Because I know that Maupin, she was ranked the 71st player in the entire country. Um, at least at the time of the article that was published by KSA Women's Basketball, which was like two, three months ago. And... The rest of the players are all pretty well-renowned. Um, I, of course, there's not a ton of coverage on recruiting in women's basketball, and we definitely don't have any... under Criminally yeah. undercovered, sorry. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And so we definitely don't have the means to just go out and do all of that ourselves. But from what we are able to scrape together, we are able to find out that it's an absolutely excellent group of prospects and Jeff Mitty is getting more guards and more ball handlers are being brought in to uh, help spell Serena Sundell. Cause like, even though we do finally have a good ball handler in Serena Sundell, we still don't really have that reliable backup that we can play behind them and not be a little bit uncomfortable for a few minutes. So Sundell's playing a ton of minutes right now, but people like uh, Michaela Gatewood and Michaela Parks, you know, you bring them in. And they're able to help take the load off. And then Eliza Maupin brings a lot of speed down to the post and some really good post moves. And you have to really like what you see there. So, And then, of course, all of them being McDonald's All-Americans. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Because uh, that, being a McDonald's All-American, that pretty much speaks for itself. And when, I believe this is the entire class, when all of them are McDonald's All-Americans, you've put yourself, you've put together a pretty good class. So... Like, like props to Jeff Mitty for what he was able to do with this class. Yeah, and I, my microphone didn't ca catch it, but I I started giggling whenever I hear because there's always something very funny to me about an athletics competition being sponsored by McDonald's of all things. No, that is totally the Olympics fair. by McDonald's. The no, McOlympics. Yeah. <laughs> McOlympics. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, no, there, it is pretty ironic. <laughs> like you are right that that it's a it's a little strange that McDonald's is out here sponsoring this major athletic honor. But you know what? 
they are pretty reliable. At least the uh, the game itself is pretty reliable in identifying talent and bringing them in, both on the men's and the women's side. So uh, props to Jeff Mitty for really getting recruiting going in women's basketball. And I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to seeing where this team goes in the future because I think they're going to look a lot different in a few years because Aoka Lees, they don't just grow on trees. Like, we were lucky to have her, and we'll only get one more year of her because I don't imagine she would leave early or transfer or anything. So I think that uh, once she's gone, we're definitely going to see a lot more small ball play, but more fast-paced and uh, a lot more shooting. And I think that we're going to see a really good shooting team because there's already shooters on this team. It's just once you get a floor full of them, then it's going to be really hard to defend. Yeah. And maybe we do find not, well, you can't replace Ioka Lee, but you can find another person to maybe get like half of the production, which may be all we need. Yeah. If we can, yeah, if we can get somebody, yeah, truthfully, someone that does half of what Ioka Lee does, we'll, we'll be just fine, honestly, especially if the rest of the team picks it up, which I expect that they will. The, uh, trio freshman guards right now are immensely talented and i i'm not worried about their futures at all because they've just shown so much potential in their very young careers so yeah but that is women's catskiball recruiting out of the way i now we get to talk about men's catskiball talk about oh boy <laughs> i can't wait boy oh boy this will be fun yeah we'll put fun in quotation marks there were two games played i hate doing segments like this man it's just like a just a massive downer and i can't even well i could but i'm not going to i can't even have a a rant in the middle of it because i'm not angry i'm just sad Yeah. I can't pull yeah, an Oki. I can't pull an Oki and get angry in the middle of an episode. <laughs> yeah, there there's not a lot of room for anger here. It's just pain. Just pain. Yeah. But we played two games since our last recap episode. First one was against West Virginia. That was a day that we all went out and played our own football game and <laughs> had one teammate each who had no idea what a route was, so it was literally just go somewhere, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that that was very difficult trying to draw up routes for people and then they just run straight every time no matter what you told them. So <laughs> Yeah, so you just look at them, you hitch on your throw and then you realize I have no idea what we're doing. We're stalling because we don't want to talk about this, but West Virginia. <laughs> we Ended up losing this game at West Virginia, 71-68. to It was another game where we were shorthanded. We were not nearly as shorthanded as we were against uh, Texas. Texas, and there was one other game, wasn't there, that we were really shorthanded? Um, we, were missing Mar- we were missing Marquise for OU. Oh, yeah. But that was it. But, yeah. And we were also down both Bruce. You can debate if that's a loss or not. And Shane Southwell, so we were down to another interim coach. And yeah, yeah, it was just Jermaine Henderson was the only one left because Chris Chris Lowry was out as well, the associate coach. So it was <laughs> yeah, Chris Lowry was it, and Jermaine Henderson was the only guy left on the bench, along with I think one graduate assistant. Jeez, and despite this, 
we didn't play that bad? Like, there, here's the problem that I have with K-State sports now. It's that we will be put in situations where we will either, we should either win, like, comfortably, or we should lose horribly. The problem is we're just losing close to everybody. <laughs> so it just yeah. hurts. But Connor has you for, for stats while I sit here and, and just lament this game. Yeah. Ace and I did not watch most of this game. As he said, we were busy doing our own thing, but we were able to catch the like last like like two minutes maybe. And that was of course basically the most painful part. But individually of the ending, or notwithstanding, I guess, uh Nigel Pack, he had twenty points five rebounds and a steal he had no turnovers he didn't have any assists either but that's not really his role on the day 6 of 15 from 3 7 of 18 from the field 6 of 15 sounds bad on paper but according to my calculations that's still 40 percent so i mean you can't be too upset with 40 percent from three although you'd like to see a few more go down mark smith he had 14 points five of seven from the field three of four from three one of two on his free throws eight rebounds five assists two turnovers three steals and then Ishmael at 13 points. And Marquise Noel, he had a double-double, 10 assists and 10 points. And then he also had six turnovers to go with it and a steal. And then rounding up the starting lineup, Salt Miguel had five points, six rebounds, four fouls, and a block. So not a very good night from him. Davion, uh, I did not watch this game. We'll talk but, about Davion. Yeah, he, uh, he had a... Interesting stat line. Six points, two seven from the field, two blocks, uh, two fouls, three rebounds. But he allegedly was the subject of a lot of controversy with this game. Uh, apparently missed a few easy ones down the stretch, which, I mean, we can we can get back to that a little later. And then Carlton, packed. yeah, Carlton Lingard, Luka Supke also played but they did not register points. Lingard did have three blocks, which is really interesting because he's not known as a like rim protector or anything, but he did get that figured out. And Kasupki added two steals, so they were able to contribute in some way, at the very least. And the Cats, they shot 47% from three in the first half, just 26 in the second half. I mean, when you're shooting that bad in the second half, like you're going to get what's coming, unfortunately. Yeah, and then of course when you let Sean McNeil drop twenty six on you, I mean, <laughs> I don't know yeah. What to tell you. And we actually went into halftime with a pretty, pretty decent lead. It was a thirteen point lead. Yeah. Then we got outscored forty four to twenty eight in the second. Yeah. Pretty much exactly what happened against Texas. Yeah, very very similar situation to Texas. I'm not as mad about this West Virginia game, just knowing that we were shorthanded, both personnel and coaches, and they did play pretty well. They simply ran out of gas at the end because there just wasn't enough rotation to go through. So, you know, I mean, a loss is a loss. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, it doesn't matter. It does matter, but I'm not seething mad about losing a road Big 12 game, you know, in a vacuum. It's, it's the sum of the product that's the issue, which, although granted, this next one is enough to get seeding mad on its own. So like, that does kind of dispute my point that I just made, but it's a whole separate case. 
So, if you don't have anything else to say about West Virginia, we can move on to the elephant in the room. Yeah, let's let's just move on to the elephant in the room, and then we'll, you know, it's not on the outline, but after TCU, we'll do our thoughts up to this point in the season. Sound good? Yeah, yeah, sounds swell. (laughs) Yeah, that's one word for it. The next game happened last night, and in front of a crowd of 5,623 people in Bramlage Coliseum, Kansas State University lost in perhaps the most painful possible way against a team that we probably should have beat in the TCU Horned Frogs. K-State ended up falling 60-57, to and Connor couldn't hear me last night because we did not watch the game together we both did however watch the game and Connor what I texted you was about 10% of (laughs) of what it actually was (laughs) yeah like it I was able to watch most of this game uh, the, I watched the most important part, which was basically most of the second half. And I was able to catch a lot of the first half as well. But, I mean, what can wow. You say? Well, I don't know what to say. Because, I mean, this this team is just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going through what you said. And, like, yeah, like, you, you basically got it. And, I mean, it was just dreadful everything that i saw let's let's hit stats before we before we dive deep into the the hellscape that was this game yeah so to start off marquise noel actually had a pretty good game at least statistically he had 18 points four assists two turnovers and count them seven steals so he almost had a double double with points and steals which i don't know the last time that happened at k-state uh nigel tied the record for uh most in a conference game from a k-state player that i mean that's sensational i saw a few of his steals like i saw the one where he like kind of poked it from one side and then ran around to the other side but it ended up resulting and i think it was a missed layup unfortunately i think i think, it, I think that was the time he airballed the layup because he he tripped that was a different time because it was a different side of the floor okay i think i think i don't i don't know all the missed layups kind it of all together, together. <laughs> yeah but i mean jokes aside marquise like he really did play fairly well from what I could tell. Um Nigel Pack had a very inefficient game and had a costly turnover late. Uh he was four fourteen from the field, two seven from three, had ten points, uh, four rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Uh not the type of stat line that you're not gonna win many games in the Big Twelve with that kind of stat line from Nigel Pack. Uh Mark Smith, he had ten points, nine rebounds, one rebound away from a double double, one assist, one turnover and a steal. And then Celta Miguel, he started, although he had only six points and four rebounds in 31 minutes, as well as four turnovers and just one assist, which that's just not sustainable. Selton has really been struggling these last few weeks, and he has to break out if this team wants any sort of postseason period. And mm. Davion, he started as well, played 21 minutes, had six points, two rebounds, two of five from the field, two of Eight from the free throw line. Not great. Not great, Bob. 
and that's that's not great. <laughs> um, and he had one turnover, and then going down the rest of the line, Casey had five points. Ish did not start, but he had two points, a rebound, and a steal. So I guess Davion starting comes at the cost of Ish Masood. So not sure if that's the recipe going forward. And then Lucas Hoop, he also logged minutes, but he only registered one foul and no shot attempts. And that does it for the statistical side. Um, really only one player actively had a good stat line, and that was Marquise Noel. Yeah, and we shot one for seven in the first half on threes. Yeah, and finished six of 20, and only two players made threes. It was Marquise and Nigel. Mark Smith was 0 of 5, and Ish was 0 of 1. Other than that, it was Marquise and Nigel for every other attempt to make. So, Before we talk about how the game ends, I mentioned that we were going to talk about Davion before. Neither of our bigs have been playing, I'm not even going to say well, both of them have been playing poorly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think you're going to get much pushback on that statement. So, <laughs> Yeah. I, And it, it says a lot when our best lineup was made up of five smaller guys when we just didn't have the option of playing a big. I, I guess, uh, oh, uh, is it Lingard or Max or Max? I always get him confused. Are you thinking of Landers? Land no the the guy we played against in the Texas game who hadn't gotten playing time before that. Landers or not Landers but Lingard. Lingard yeah Lingard. Lingard kind of played their role but played it better but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, just for for this team to seemingly for this team to work they need to be clicking, and Casey and Davion just haven't. <laughs> At all. <laughs> yeah. Casey's been interesting because statistically he's having his best season. He's averaging one a full point more than he was last year and averaging 18% better from the field. And he's almost 20% better from free throw. And he's averaging a full rebound more per game and half a turnover fewer. With that being said, a lot of that is inflated from some earlier games. And in the last three games, he scored five points, and all of those have come against TCU. He didn't score any points against McNeese, against McNeese State or OU. Against OU, he had five minutes because of foul trouble. Because Casey, in big games against Power 5 opponents, he cannot stay out of foul trouble. Because Casey, honestly, a lot of times when you get the ball to him, if he's wide open, he will go up and dunk it and make it. And that's not something I have to worry about, but it's him staying out of foul trouble on the defensive end, which he's not proven he's been able to do. And as long as you're going to do that, you're a liability on this team because we need bigs that won't constantly foul on the defensive end because we're pretty thin there in terms of defensive-minded bigs because Davion's not a great defender and Carlson Lingard is a poor defender and Landers is not ready to defend that end of the floor as a center. So... It's pretty much Casey, and he's not reliable. So it's – and then Davion, I, it's inexplicable because we know that he has the ability to be a good scorer in the post. Like we saw it last year. He had several dominant games where it just seemed like he could not be stopped. But 
that has not translated to this year. And for a while, I get it. He was out with sickness for quite some time and lost some conditioning. And I gave him a pass for quite some time, about a month. But that's passed. And he's still really struggling. Yeah. And it's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now for Davion. At least it doesn't seem like it. Because it, it just seems like it's only getting worse. Because one of the few bright spots was that his free throw shooting had gotten a lot better. But he goes two for eight against TCU. And he's not a particularly great rebounder, especially considering he's seven feet tall. He's not a particularly great post defender. At least he hasn't been consistently. And he hasn't been scoring at the rate that he has last year. Now, there's, I'm hoping there's something that we just don't know about that's hindering this because that would explain everything. But, but with what we know, there's no reason that he should have regressed this much compared to his freshman season. And the same kind of goes for Celtic Miguel, honestly, because he's not been the same guy that we saw at the beginning of the year. Because at the beginning of the year, he had some moments of being a very solid Big 12 player. He's still a lockdown defender. That much has not changed. But he has just, he's not scoring very well at all right now. And it's tough to watch. But there's just, it's very frustrating to watch this team because I do feel like this team individually has talent. I feel like Marquise is the best player on this team. I think he's really good. Nigel is a lights-out shooter. We know that, and he still does have that quality. Mark Smith has been surprisingly good. He's been a really great rebounder for us. Selton is a lockdown defender. And then Davion, we saw last year, was a great scorer, although that hasn't translated. Casey was our best defender in the post last year, but he cannot stay out of foul trouble. And Ish has had moments of greatness as a shooter, but he's not been consistent, and Luke has not been able to break through as the shooter that he was coined as. And so there's just nothing but question marks on this team with the exception of Marquise Noel. And it's... I mean, time's basically up at this point. I I, I would say time is up. Yeah. I mean, this is a roster that is more talented than the one that we had last year, but... We're still losing games. Granted, the margins are closer, but an L's an L in the Big 12. It doesn't matter if it was close or not. And it's it's tough. It's really, really tough because I like this group a lot. I really like Marquise. I really like Mark Smith. I like Nigel a lot. Selton, I love Selton. Davion, I loved him last year, and I really want him to succeed. I There's not a player that I actively really just hate on this team. But they're, they just aren't quite able to get over the hump. And that falls back on the coaches. And it's been staring us in the face for a while. But I've, I've been a Bruce apologist for a bit. But I'm kind of off that train now. I'm done. We have to talk about what? how the game ended before we go into, before we go into that. Because we, we still haven't mentioned how the game ended. <laughs> Why'd you let me monologue for so long then? <laughs> I don't know. You were in, you were having a groove, bro. I don't know. Like, because I... Okay. The game ended, basically, with an in, uh, a throw-in on our end of the court. And Nigel Pack got called for a travel, which gave TCU the ball. They hit a three to put them ahead. And... We just could not retaliate, and that is how we lost the game. 
And the worst part is, is that the entire time that exchange was going on, I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, we, we should be able to win this game. All I was thinking of how was, how are we going to blow this game? And lo and behold, we found a new and beautiful way to just destroy <laughs> our chances of winning. Yeah. Um, it's It's been interesting to watch this team lose in a variety of fashions in these last few games in, in every way except getting blown out <laughs> yeah like texas would be close but even then we've we led that game a half so i'm i'm hesitant to call that a blowout because i don't think that'd be very accurate but um i think back this is not like a particularly original point but I'm going to make it regardless. I think back to the Texas Southern game in 2014. This was a game, just catch everyone up. Marcus Foster led a 17 points. Javon Thomas had six rebounds. Marcus Foster had three assists. This is so that, if any, that tells you that was a while ago because neither of those guys graduated from K State. I think they both got kicked off the team. K State. And in this game against Texas Southern, the minute 45 left, they led 54 to 48, and they would go on to lose this game 58 to 56 after Texas Southern scored six points in 15 seconds to come back and win. Yep. Now, just to go back, K State made a free throw with 15 seconds. Uh, they brought it down the floor. We fouled them with two seconds to go. And then they uh, make both their free throws. Timeout is called. And then they miss another free throw because it was a three-point shot that they got fouled on. And they rebound it uh, off of us. So they get the ball out of bounds. They make a layup and tie it with one second to go. We pass it in, turn it over, and they put it up with zero seconds to go. And they go up. So basically... Saying it was 15 seconds is generous because it was actually two seconds in which they scored six points. <laughs> but, I mean, this game, same story, pretty much. I mean, like, I, I hate to bring up painful memories, but I feel like it's the only effective tool here. And it it's very similar. The Cats lead late in the game, but you're still sitting there, and you're probably lying if you don't agree with this. I say probably. I don't want to be too accusatory, but I mean, at least me personally, I was sitting there. I did not feel comfortable nope. with a five-point lead and two minutes to go nope. at all. Mm -mm. I definitely didn't feel comfortable with a four-point lead and a minute 11 to go. Nope. And I certainly didn't feel comfortable with a two-point lead and 24 seconds to go with the ball. Yep. So, <laughs> I... Right. What, what can you really say? And now we can transition into talking about Bruce, which, um, God, I, I know. you, you can go first. Cause you of the two of us have been the more ardent Bruce defender. And even then that's not even, you're not putting up the, the, the bulwarks for, for Bruce here. Yeah. I've always been a Bruce supporter and that I've been a patient fan. I've been willing to look at circumstance and context and be like, you know, 
like coming off of like this year, like it's one bad season, you know, we're a year off a big 12 title. I get it. Like, like he's got a good recruiting class coming in. It'll be okay. And then, you know, COVID year, we improved at the end of the season. I get it. Give him next year. He's got some good transfers coming in. It'll be better. It's not gotten better. Any of those times, uh, three strikes you're out. I mean, this is the third bad season in a row. It should have been one strike and you're out. But Argu- arguably, we've gotten worse every year, which is crazy because I, well, I don't know if we've gotten worse from last year. I mean, the okay. results have been more painful. Yeah, I think that's that's without a doubt. Because honestly, it hurt less to get blown out. True. Than True. Lose the close ones, like the Baylor game where we lost by fifty last year. I I was laughing during that game. Like just to I, laugh at the pain. I I literally was losing my mind at the end of that game. I was like, "How much can we lose by?" Like and like when yeah, Antonio sixty. Yeah, like when we were down by like thirty five, and Antonio Gordon hit a half court shot right before halftime out of desperation. I was like, I I, I thought it was hysterical. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh good, like that gives us the momentum going in the second half. <laughs> like. <laughs> No, it doesn't matter. Like, it that was honestly more fun. It was more embarrassing, but at least we could like, at least there was no conceivable way to defend it. Yep. This this year, you can like, if you put on the blinders, you can be like, oh, you know, like we're losing close, we're playing close, you know, we're just unlucky. That's all true, but it's just at the point where it just doesn't matter. It no longer matters because it's been this for three years, and. It and I'm, I'm, I think everybody's tired of it. I, I feel really bad for the players because they had Marquise Noel had an ardent defense of Bruce during his press conference, and I respect him so much for it because he went out there, him and Mark Smith, to the press conference, and they sat there. They were kings. They responded to every question they had. They were awesome, and they deserve better than what's been given to them this year. And they're never going to say that, of course. I mean, it'd be really, really bad. And if they if they came out and were, you know, bad-mouthing their coach. Bruce. Yeah, like, that that would be bad. Like, that'd just be a horrible look for them and everybody involved. So, but, I mean, they're here because they like Bruce for one reason or another. And, you know, I, 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 I do feel bad because I do believe them. I do think that Bruce understands the game of basketball to a good degree because i mean if nothing else we've been playing good defense in these games he understands that but just at some point something has to give and it's bruce he is unable to close out games he isn't able to adjust we've been more stiff offensively micromanaging the game is not sustainable we don't have any offensive flow compared to when we were facing west virginia and texas I mean, because in those games, we were getting open shots down the stretch. It's just that we were exhausted with no personnel. We were just missing them. I mean, an L's an L, but, like, at the same that, time. You know, that, that's yeah. excusable, and we were still – you could tell that there was still a concerted effort, and we were moving the ball. And at the very least, we weren't making as many what what I will lovingly call colossal bruh moments. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I'm not sure if there's a colloquialism that we've used before that like really compares maybe like Christian Duffy moments. Yeah, but, like, Christian, it, like, it is just a Christian Duffy moment. 
invading the entire team, but somehow worse. Because Christian yeah. Duffy, at least, will follow up a really, really bad play with at least 15 consistent, solid plays. Yeah, Duffy has We don't has even been get prepped. that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, at this point, when watching the team, when we score, it feels like luck. Like, with the offense that we've been running. And it's taken a while to recognize that. And, you know, fair's fair. Like, I I probably stuck on the Bruce, on the Bruce train way too long. But you know what? The past is the past on that. Like, and I think we're at the point as a fan base where basically everybody is, is done with them. I think... I think a change is probably coming at this point. I'd be, I'd be utterly shocked if Bruce sticks around after this season, presuming we don't have a miracle tourney run and win out. Like, which, which uh... if if we were to win out, like actually, then yeah, okay, <laughs> like because we would finish what like twenty three and seven, something like that. Yeah, like, and if we went on a tourney run, like okay. But that's not happening. No, it's not <laughs> happening. Like, we can will it to happen all we want. We can manifest all we want. It, it's not happening. And at the end of the day, I, I, I've i never been a particularly ardent Bruce supporter. I've been like you in that I've been patient, but I've never been particularly optimistic for what he could do after that, after winning the Big 12. Yeah. And it, it's just... And this is coming from someone who, full disclosure, I am the most filthy of filthy casuals that has possibly ever existed in basketball. Basketball is not my sport, which is why I let Connor do the talking for the most part. But whenever I, the filthiest of filthy casuals, can look on the court and give criticism that is not valid criticism, that is not just figure it out. There is something that has gone horrifically wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all season, for me, the, one of the biggest criticisms has been overhelping defensively. And it didn't happen as much with uh, uh, the games that Bruce was out. But when at least it didn't feel like it. Uh, maybe, I might be wrong. But it feels like a lot of games, we just really overhelp to the paint. They kick it out. They have a wide open three. They drain it. That's exactly what happened the end of the CCU game and you know it's been 15 games now and if he hasn't figured that out yet I don't know if he ever will the I can't, I'm trying to think is silver linings and the only one I can think of is that it is not impossible for a team to make the NCAA tournament from doldrums like the one that we're in right now like it is possible for us to come back and have a solid season and find our way in I mean, I back to the Wessa Wundu senior year where we were pretty solidly out of the tournament and then we won out like our last three games and beat Baylor in the Big 12 tournament and played our way into the play-in games as one of the last four teams in and then won our play-in game. And I don't think that's happening with this group. No. <laughs> I think there's a lot of talented players on this team, but this team doesn't have a Wessa Wundu, and they don't have a Dean Wade, and they don't have a Barry Brown, and they don't have a Kamal Stokes. They do have a Marquise Noel. They have a Nigel Pack. But Wessa Wundu, is not a, he's an NBA player. I mean, he spent several seasons in the NBA, like, actually there. Dean Wade is in the NBA, and he's starting occasionally. He's a spot starter for the Cavs. Barry's been a G League staple, and Kamau has been wildly successful in Europe. 
And I think that we have some some guys that have professional potential on this roster. Like I think Mark Smith has that potential. Um, Nigel, I think, has Europe potential. Um, if Davion could figure it out, then he absolutely has potential. Sultan definitely has potential, but it just feels like our players are not taking that next step. And we haven't had someone develop in the way that we need to since Dean Wade. Dean Wade's development was crucial to Bruce sticking around because he just flipped the switch and became God mode out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the game had happened. I think it was his sophomore or junior season against Iowa State. He went from like having a career being like pretty good to dropping like 35 on Iowa State out of nowhere and just absolute tear the rest of the year. <laughs> and yeah. There's not a Dean Wade on this team. Dean Wade's not coming knocking. Uh, there's not a Barry Brown on this team either. There's a lot of good players on this team, but I don't think there's anybody that can save Bruce on this squad. Yeah. With that horrible brick of content that we've just dropped upon you, we play t- the men's basketball team plays Texas Tech on Saturday. Isn't it in Lubbock? Uh, it is in Manhattan. Oh, it's in Manhattan. Joy. Yep. but as always even if they're not doing the greatest go and support the men's basketball team because they're the play if not if not for anything else do it for the players who yeah are are just playing their hearts out but there there are entertaining players on this team watching like that i will absolutely stand by marquise you have to watch him he's so much fun he's not He's a roller coaster. That's what I would describe him as. Yeah. But man, it is a fun roller coaster. Yeah. And he's gotten a lot more consistent recently. Like he he still has his Marquise moments, but like he in general has he's trimmed the turnovers a lot. It's not perfect, but it's better. And then also, if nothing else, it's a really good Texas Tech team. I've never been one to advocate for going to a K State game to watch someone on the other team. Like. It really annoyed me, like, my freshman year when everybody wanted to watch, like, Yudoka Azabuke or something. I was like, why would you want to do that when we have, like, a perfectly good team? And then we ended up winning. So, it's like, I it was kind of a waste. But, <laughs> I, yeah, go out, watch the players. Nigel probably make some threes. He'll give us some hope. But, this is a really good tech team. It's going to be a really, really, really tough game to win. Yeah, it's an absolute upsetting yeah. number one. <laughs> yeah, they they had consecutive wins against number six KU and on the road at number one Baylor, and they lost by four at number eleven Iowa State. Who side note did just kind of get screwed out of a dub in Allen Fieldhouse, which seems to be a common occurrence. It's yeah, I I'm not even mad. I'm just bewildered at this point that it keeps happening. <laughs> and then they yeah. just, th- just threw the hammer down on Oklahoma State. But Tech, really good team. And they beat those high-rated teams without some of their top talent. They were missing guys due to COVID, and they were beating top five schools uh, with backups. So Yep. Good so, luck. Uh, That's, it's a must win. Good. Good luck. Yeah, it's a must win. Good luck. Now let's move on to women's basketball. <laughs> this is slightly happier. 
it, the first bit's 100% happier. Then the second yep. half happens. But let's talk about the first bit because the entire episode can't be a downer. And yep. let's talk about the K-State-West Virginia matchup in which the women's basketball team walked away victorious from Morgantown 71-61. to And before Connor goes into stats here, I'm going to bring up the most surprising statistic that has happened in quite a while. Ioka Lee was not the leading scorer. She was not the second leading scorer. She was the third leading scorer. And yes, she still had a double double. <laughs> yep. She was she still got hers, but you know, they struggled to get it to her in the first half. But they were able to figure it out, especially in the third quarter. She finished Ayoka Lee did with fourteen points and twelve rebounds and five blocks and two steals. So she still had an Aoka Lee stat line. Yeah. So it, it was pretty it was pretty crazy. But the leading scorer was Serena Sundell, the freshman phenom. Uh, she had 21 points, 9 assists, and 2 steals, and 5 turnovers to go with 5 rebounds. She played 39 minutes, 6 of 16 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Sundell is phenomenal. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, behind her... Jalen Glenn had 20 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 turnover in 32 minutes, 6 of 11 from 3-point range, and then missed her other two field goal attempts, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Other starters, Briley Glenn had 7 points, Laura Mackey added 5, and then Rebecca Dollinger and Taylor Lauterbach had 2 apiece. Jada Moore did not have any points, but she did add 5 assists and 2 steals in 13 minutes, so she was still very valuable in that regard. Um, K-State wins this game, 71-61, despite trailing at halftime, um, by eight, seven, seven. They trailed at halftime by seven points. It was, uh, 35 to 28. Yeah. Mental math is not my strong suit. It's neither of our strong suits. Pencil and paper math isn't my strong suit. It's, it's, math it's isn't my math. strong suit. Yeah. That's Calculator what math isn't my strong suit. I'm, I'm trying to get at that. That's basically what I'm trying to say. But we, we might be stupid. We're, I'm, I'm a little stupid. Not going to lie. <laughs> but KC wins basketball. They played really well against West Virginia, especially in the second half. This was part of a doubleheader with K-State on the road in Morgantown. Uh, I think the Big 12 is trying to do more of those to help save money for the schools which kind of makes sense, honestly. They do men's and women's doubleheaders. I don't know why they weren't doing more of those already. Yeah. But um, Cats come out victorious in Morgantown uh, against a pretty uh, ferocious attack for the Mountaineers, although West Virginia has severely underachieved to start this season. To be totally fair, they were preseason top 20, top 25 team. And since then... They are now eight and five. They did just beat Texas Tech, and they lost to Iowa State as well. So it has been tough sledding for West Virginia thus far this year. But you know, can't win them all. And a road win in the Big Twelve is a very valuable win. So can't yeah. complain. And speaking of losing to Iowa State, here's the second half of it again, and I'm afraid it's going to be another one where we're going to have to talk for a minute or two. <laughs> this one really hurt. Yeah, this one, it was against Iowa State in Bramlage Coliseum, and unfortunately the Cyclones walked away victorious 73-70. to And 
just to to let you know how this one ended, we lost on a bank three. <laughs> yeah, they took the lead late, five seconds to go. They made a bank and three off like a set and bounds play. They like dribbled around for a little while and just found a girl wide open. It's like, how do you do that? Like, how do you leave somebody wide open? Yeah, it's man to man. In case you needed a reminder that this is indeed a K-State sporting program, we had to find some, we had to get at least one extraordinarily painful loss in this year. Yeah, because this was a a game dominated by the superstars, although in that battle between superstars, which was Ashley Jones of Iowa State and Aoka Lee of K-State, Aoka Lee was far superior in her performance, I, I don't think it's even particularly close. No. She dropped 38 points and 11 rebounds to go with three blocks, two steals, two assists, and just one turnover. Aoka Lee was 18 and 29th in the field. She did miss three free throws, which ultimately would be the difference in this game. And it's, I'm not trying to pin the loss on her. That's not what I'm trying to say. But yeah. I mean, the loss is ultimately Iowa State shot awfully. And the first half from three, they were three of ten, which I think that's awful for their standards because they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And then, then they the fourth went, quarter happened. Yeah, yeah, they went. They shot six of seven from three in the fourth quarter, and you're not gonna beat many teams when they're shooting like that. And Iowa State is a red-hot team. They're a very streaky team, and when they get hot, they're hot, and it's that simple. And it's uh. It was this was a tough one to swallow because K State led the whole way. This was the highest, I think this is the probably most high profile women's basketball game in the K State sporting world in terms of people that actually were paying attention to the outcome. Yeah, in a long, long time, and they just couldn't finish. They were so close, and they weren't able to finish it out. I think that. This is a team where if Rachel Ranke is healthy and Heavenly Greer is being held up because NCAA Clearinghouse hates her, then I think we win this game handily. But I I was very sad at the end of this game. I was honestly sadder after this game than I was in the TCU game. Oh, and absolutely. Because the TCU game, I was just like, yeah, another one. But this game, we we truly played fairly well. Um, especially uh, just getting the ball to Yoki because Iowa State had this interesting defensive strategy of not defending her. <laughs> and Why bother trying? Which, like, fair, I guess. But they, uh, they really struggled. Other players in this game, uh, Serena Sundell, she played all 40 minutes, had four points, but she had 11 assists and five turnovers and three blocks as well. Sundell was great. Damn, she's going to continue to be great. Uh, Briley Glenn and Rebecca Dollinger added seven points and three assists each. Um, Jalen Glenn had five points, five rebounds, six assists. Uh, Jada Moore had four points and a steal with four rebounds. Laura Mackey had three points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Taylor Lauterpach had two points and a rebound. But, I mean, this is the, it was the Aoka Lee show the whole way. Ashley Jones for Iowa State, she had 27, so she did eventually get She got hot from three late, and, I mean, she's one of the best players in the country, along with Aoka Lee. She's going to get hers one way or another. 
it's ultimately, ultimately the big difference in this game, I think, was experience. Iowa State's a pretty experienced club. K-State, Wally Yokely is a junior. She's arguably the best player in the country. Uh, the guards are all freshmen, and they at times played like freshmen. And they're going to make their mistakes. They're going to have they're going to get their bumps and bruises. This one really hurts to lose because it was right there. I was very dejected after this game. <laughs> and... Yeah, you, you, there there are times that I wish people could read our our texts back and forth to one another, and then there are other times that I realize that people wouldn't know what we're talking about half the time. <laughs> I'm happy people can't because (laughs) but you gotta admit there are some funny moments like the exchange of if I lose on a bank three (laughs) don't finish that sentence (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be sad yeah (laughs) yeah and I was because we lost on a bank three and then we didn't even get a shot off at the end of the game so sad I was unbelievably depressed and then KU went on to be Iowa State and they got some home cooking from the Allen Fieldhouse refs and that was really frustrating as well I was like what's the point honestly in sports like baseball season's so close guys <laughs> baseball season's coming up it's coming up I think the cats are gonna be good you know my eternal optimism screws me every single time <laughs> but uh, the Grizzlies did win. They won their 10th game in a row that night. So, And then they just got their 11th one in a row tonight. They beat the Timberwolves. So cool. Grizzlies are on a roll. I'm a Grizzlies fan if you didn't know that. Um, yeah. the, it was really tough. It's been tough sledding, honestly, for K-State since the bowl game in non-football sports. Because football's had pretty much nothing but good news for a while. Like Klein's It all balances out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we blew out LSU. We... Uh, just in general, play well. We have some good transfers coming in, like Brandon Jennings. You know, Klein's the coordinator. Like recruiting stuff is happening. Like probably going to hear about new coaches here pretty soon. I, I, but but then you know pain. And then you know, you know, Uh, that's the part of the life. That's part of the life that we chose, or at least some of us chose. I was born into it. I, didn't have I, know. I chose i chose so i i did not choose this pain it was thrust onto me that i mean hurt. granted before this i was an mu fan so it's not like i was unfamiliar <laughs> i guess yeah that's fair but yeah it's tough but you know what men's basketball it can't be worse than last year truly like this year sucks i think bruce is getting fired but it legitimately cannot get worse than last year and don't the, say that they will find a way <laughs> I mean, if they do, I'll just laugh because it's like, I mean, come on. <laughs> you think you can hurt me now, mortals? After what they did to me last year, like, if we just keep losing, like, I'll just stop feeling. <laughs> I'll just stop feeling. <laughs> you know what? Women's team is good despite this tough L to Iowa State. They still have Aoka Lee. They still have a really talented backcourt of freshmen. They have an excellent recruiting class coming in, all McDonald's, all Americans. I mean, there's a lot to be optimistic about there. Baseball season's about a month away, like a month and a day from the release of this episode, I believe. They're facing Michigan in the uh, in like some tournament in Texas, I believe. Yeah. And then, yeah, they have like some absolute gauntlet of a schedule. We've gone over it before. It's like Michigan, Auburn, and Arizona, I believe. Yep. It's like good luck. Yeah, good, uh, good luck, Midi Cats. Yeah, yeah, good luck, Bat Cats. Not not Midi Cats. Ugh. Bad I cats. almost 
I almost said that as well, so I'm not going to chastise you. But well, one of us had to do it. <laughs> somebody had to do it. But yeah, it's tough sledding for K-State sports. But, you know, Batcats, I, I feel good. I, I think they're going to have a solid year. I Well, we'll have a Batcats episode here coming pretty soon, so... Oh, and it'll be it'll be very exciting and hopefully more correct than our season preview for men's basketball. But yeah, that, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much. Oh wait, women's basketball also plays Texas Tech on Saturday, so I think that one is in Lubbock. Um, because I I remember one of them being in Lubbock because it's weird. I feel like you're probably right. It doesn't make a lot of sense to do it like that but it's the big 12 so because you know you think it makes sense to like play them both in manhattan but it is in lubbock so but they it do is? play it is in lubbock yeah, for the women okay <laughs> but the uh women are back in bramlage wednesday january 19th they're facing the kansas jayhawks so coming okay. out for the sunflower showdown yep and if you're a student and you're the first 300 people to get there you get a free t-shirt and also free pizza and also you get to see Aoka Lee play. Yep. Can't Which go wrong. We will be there. Certainly. Yes, mm-hmm. Again, we're not a draw. <laughs> but if <laughs> if you're if you're scared of going to a women's women's game or any game alone, we'll be there. You can sit next to us. Uh we told this joke before, but neither of us bite, except for Connor after that one time, but he we got that fixed. <laughs> yeah. I, I wear a cone now. I wear- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if well, you'll, you'll be able to see us really easy. yeah you, you, it's it's pretty obvious where we are at all times <laughs> but yeah that that pretty much wraps up this episode of the aggieville alley cats if thank you so much for listening if you want to contact the show we are at aggieville a cats on twitter that's capital a capital a and capital c and cats our email is aggieville cats at gmail.com and if you want to contact us on a more personal note i am at ac edward zero zero I am at Connor Boutsasaur, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show in a more financial sense, we're always looking for sponsors. But if you want to get something in return, please feel free to go to our merch store where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alley Cats. And be looking forward to video versions of this podcast going up on YouTube.com, which will be Aggieville Alley Cats again. Search us up on YouTube if you're interested in the video version of the pod. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you a Kansas, the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.